Welcome to Born to be Breastfed with your host, Marie Biancuso. Our program aims to help you bust through the breastfeeding myths and ensure you and your baby enjoy the breastfeeding journey. Over the next hour, we'll help you figure out how to overcome the obstacles you might encounter and how to incorporate breastfeeding into your busy life. Now, here is your host, Marie Biancuso. Hi, everyone. I'm Marie Biancuto. I'm your host for Born to be Breastfed, where every week we debunk the myths and clarify the facts about breastfeeding and beyond. And today, trust me, it will be a lot of clarifications of a lot of uh facts that some people are just not clear about, and we're going to be talking about Kratom today. And my guest today is Dr. Whitney Eldridge. Dr. Eldridge, welcome. Hi, thank you. It's nice to be here. Dr. Whitney Eldridge is a Mendetnax affiliate board-certified neonatologist for BayCare Health System in Clearwater, Florida. She has nine years of experience practicing at level two and level three neonatal intensive care units, most recently at St. Joseph's Women's Hospital, Morton Plant Hospital, and Meese Countryside Hospital, all of which are in the Tampa Bay area. After earning her Doctor of Medicine from the University of Florida College of Medicine, Dr. Eldridge completed her pediatric residency and neonatology fellowship at St. Louis Children's Hospital in St. Louis. Also board certified in general pediatrics, she is a fellow of the American Academy of Pediatrics. Dr. Eldridge is married to a pediatric emergency medicine physician, and she is the mother of two young children with another one on the way. Dr. Eldridge has extensive personal experience with breastfeeding. So then, uh, we are very happy to have you aboard. I know that there is a lot of curiosity, a lot of misunderstanding, misinformation, and so forth about Kratom. And so I want to just start out with some general description here. Can you tell us, what is Kratom? That's a good question. I think that um, the exact classification is still up for debate, but Kratom is a naturally occurring substance that comes uh, is derived from leaves of the coffee plant family native to Southeast Asia, mm-hmm. and mm-hmm. it has two substances um, that are classified as endol alkaloids that bind to opioid receptors and mimic opiate-like activity. So some would classify Kratom as an opiate. Uh, others would dispute that classification. Mm. And that's what makes it, I would suspect, so controversial. And by the way, this would be a great time for me to tell the audience We are not here to give you any advice today. We are just here to give you information. What you do with that information is up to you, but we really want to make sure that you've got the facts. So, Dr. Eldridge, why would people use Kratom in the first place? What is it that they want the Kratom to do for them? That, uh, the motivation for Kratom use has evolved over the years. Um, Originally, it was used in Asia uh, at low doses as a stimulant to help productivity um, by field workers. 
and at high doses to treat opium addiction. More recently, in the United States, it's increasingly used by those with histories of opioid addiction to combat opioid withdrawal. And that seems to be an increasing trend that we're seeing. Yeah, I think that that's my understanding as well, is that uh, this was... Um, we've heard more about it lately, but it is my understanding that it, although it, it originated in Southeast Asia, here in the United States, even over the last, I don't know, decade or more, it has been used, but now it's being used with increasing frequency and regularity. Am I getting this right? Correct. There was a recent, there's been some recent studies that have come out that have looked at uh, calls to poison control centers of kratom use. And the incidence of calls to poison control centers has really exponentially increased since about 2015, 2016. Mm, Okay. So now we know what this substance is, and that brings us then to opioid use. And, And I'm going to say this is true. Opioid use among pregnant women is on the rise in the United States, and that is a true statement whether you classify the kratom as an opioid or not. Certainly, opioid use is on the rise, yes? That is correct. Um, Studies have shown that, as well as the incidence of neonatal abstinence syndrome due to opioids is also on the rise. Yes, and that's where I'm going in just a minute. Um, I'm thinking uh, that because you are a neonatologist, and for those of you who might not know, a neonatologist is a pediatrician who is specializing just in that newborn period. That is, for the the way I learned it, uh, the first 28 days. And typically, those first 28 days are uh, the neonatologist generally looks after the newborn who is uh, usually having some sort of an issue. It may be prematurity. It may be that he's got some sort of um, um, problem that he was born with. Uh, so certainly they may they might look after a well newborn, but generally it's a baby who is sick or compromised in some way. So knowing that in fact these opo- opioids are on the rise, I'm sure that you have some concerns about this. So what sorts of consequences can or do arise for the pregnant woman woman that is regularly using the Kratom? Uh, what's been reported uh, increasingly over the past couple of years is that uh, women with histories of opioid addiction have been using Kratom during pregnancy to help treat opioid withdrawal. And studies have reported that women can withdraw if they stop using Kratom and experience symptoms similar to opioid withdrawal. They can also experience toxicity. And then finally, there are increasing reports of newborns born to mothers who use Kratom during pregnancy who experience withdrawal after birth. Okay, so that's where the neonatal abstinence uh, comes in, yes? Correct. Yes. Um, Can you describe for those who, and and remember, our audience is 
varied. We have pregnant mothers. We have mothers who have a few babies already and are are breastfeeding or maybe not. We have professionals. We have people in the United States. We have people literally in, I forgot now how many, something like 67 countries last I knew, probably more than that by now. So help us to understand what does neonatal abstinence syndrome look like in, uh, in your experience? Well, it's, it's, it's pretty similar to a withdrawal symptom that an adult would experience from opioids. Okay. Um, babies with neonatal abstinence syndrome essentially experience an opioid-like withdrawal where they're extremely irritable. They can't be consoled. They can't sleep. They have diarrhea. They have fevers. Um, they have uh, difficulty gaining weight. And then in severe forms, they can experience seizures. Mm. Yeah, and that's pretty scary. I can tell you. um, I've seen those kids, and trust me, everybody, if you're listening, it's you do not want to see your child or anybody else's child go through this. It's, um, uh, It's very difficult to watch. So... If let's just say that you know the history, you know that the baby has been exposed in utero. Is it possible to predict which uh, babies will experience these withdrawal symptoms? Is it all babies? Is it a few babies? Uh, how how can you predict if at all? So what we know about uh, babies that are exposed in utero to um, opioid drugs and uh, long-acting opioid drugs such as methadone or Subutex, oh, uh-huh. uh, we, can, we cannot predict which babies will withdraw, and it is independent of the maternal dose of medication. So I- essentially, we have no way of knowing. So the take-home message there for the parent would be, uh, since you can't predict that, you're, if you expose your baby to that in utero, you are taking that chance that something bad could, underline could, might happen to the baby. Well, I think, yes, that is true, but you also have to think about these mothers who have been battling addiction for years, and when when they enter into a program, they're making a choice to get better, and so... Um, when they're using methadone through a program prescribed by a doctor, that is a choice they're making to get better for their baby. And uh, ultimately, that's better in the long run than using illicit opioid substances. So um, sometimes it's unavoidable, uh, that experience of neonatal abstinence syndrome, um, and that, that's a hard choice for mothers to have to make. Yes, and you know, as we so often talk about, uh, it's really about risk-benefit, is it not? Correct. Yeah. All right, so help me with this. I know that even with uh, prescription drugs, uh, Narcan can reverse the effects of, um, of a drug. Does something, I'm thinking Narcan, but it could be a different one. Um, Can that reverse the effects that you might see with a baby who's been exposed to the Kratom? 
I've seen one case report in an adult that uh, had kratom toxicity that was treated with Narcan. There's no reports um, of use in infants. Okay. So, and that, and that would only make, when you use Narcan, you're essentially taking the drug away from the receptor. So then that will just precipitate, precipitate further withdrawal. Wow. Okay. All righty. So can you help us to understand then, I know that the symptoms of the kratom, uh, withdrawal from kratom, don't necessarily happen immediately after the birth. Am I right? Well, we don't know that much about withdrawal from kratom. There's only a handful of case reports of infants withdrawing from kratom. But it seems to be about 24 to 36 hours from the case reports that I've read where the symptoms occur. Okay. And has that, uh, I guess, I was about to ask you, has that been your clinical experience? But it sounds like maybe it's just tough to tell because you haven't seen that many. I think that, um, yes, that's correct. We haven't seen that many as it's a newer phenomenon, but two, it's also under-recognized. So uh, a lot of mothers aren't reporting kratom use, and two, it doesn't show up on drug screens. Yeah. So you only know about kratom if you ask. And my suspicion would be that it's just like anything else. Mothers are not always forthcoming in saying, and, and, you know, sometimes they don't realize that something is relevant, but sometimes they're uh, deliberately with withholding the information. Would you think that part of it is because they think it's a natural substance? I think both. I think that because it's legal, it's sold over the counter, it's a, advertised as an herbal supplement, they might... And it's a lot of times adjusted as a tea, so they might not think that that is something they need to mention to their medical provider. And then there may be other cases where um, mothers experience guilt or shame and um, uh don't want to mention it. Yeah, and you know, that's such a tricky thing because you want to help the mother to be forthcoming in her information. It makes your job easier if you know all the facts, but there's a real fine line between asking somebody something and making them feel bad for having to tell you. I, I, I've walked that road myself. Um, not always easy. And for those of you who are listening, uh, I want you to keep in mind what she has just said here about the legality of the drug and what it is or isn't legal. And when we come back, I'm going to talk a little bit more about that and then ask Dr. Eldridge to expound on this a little bit because it's really, it's pretty interesting here. So please hold on. I am Marie Biancuso. I'm here today with Dr. Whitney Eldridge, who is a neonatologist. We will be right back to talk about Kratom. Don't go away. We'll be right back after this short break. Become our friend on Facebook. Post your thoughts about our shows and network on our timeline. Visit Facebook.com forward slash Voice America. 
Do you need breastfeeding training for your hospital staff? Maybe you need to offer all 15 sessions to meet the baby-friendly requirements. Or perhaps you need just a few sessions. Check out Marie's new course, Best Practices for Breastfeeding Management. It's perfect for improving your exclusive breastfeeding rates and helping staff earn contact hours. You know Marie will focus on the clinical outcomes, not just the training process. Marie's course offers the ultimate in flexibility and convenience. It's online 24-7 so staff can study at their own pace. You can use the course for all of your staff or just your newly hired staff. And Marie offers a tracking report so you can tell who has started or finished. Best of all, staff can print out their own certificate when they finish. Don't waste another minute trying to develop your own course. Trust America's leading breastfeeding educator to provide staff training that works. Call Marie today at 703-787-9894. 703-787-9894. And ask for your bulk discount. Relationship issues, anxious, parenting challenges, no more. Learn how to live your best life. Tune into Straight Talk with top psychotherapist, relationship, and anxiety expert, Sandra Reich. In this program, you'll learn how to transform your challenges into effective solutions, whether it's relationships, parenting, anxiety issues, or other life traps that you struggle with. Sandra will show you how to change them and how to live the life of your dreams. Listen every Thursday afternoon at 6 p.m. Eastern Time and 3 p.m. Pacific Time on the Voice America Health and Wellness Channel. Was your breastfeeding experience stressful or challenging? Did you face an unusual obstacle and go on to meet your goals? If so, we'd like to hear from you, and so would other mothers. Email radio at borntobebreastfed.com to see if you can be Marie's next guest. Have you friended us on Facebook yet? Why not? Just go to Facebook.com forward slash Voice America or search for the keywords Voice America. Once you are part of our Facebook network, you'll receive daily messages about what's happening with our shows, this week's featured guests, and new happenings at the Voice America Talk Radio Network. And you can add your voice to the always active discussions on our timeline. Just go to Facebook.com forward slash Voice America or search for Voice America. You're listening to Born to be Breastfed. To reach Marie Biancuso or her guest on today's program, please call 1-866-472-5792. That's 1-866-472-5792. You may also send an email to radio at borntobebreastfed.com. Now, back to the show. Hi, everyone. I'm Marie Biancuto. I'm here today with Dr. Whitney Eldridge, and we are talking about Kratom. Uh, It seems to me that there's been some uneasiness about the use of Kratom for, uh, again, I'm thinking at least a decade. And the United States Drug Enforcement Administration, that is the DEA, has considered making Kratom a controlled substance, and the FDA has classified it as an opioid. So my question is, what do we know about why it has not been regulated? Why isn't it illegal in every state? And I'm going to back up here for just a minute. For those of you who might not know, and I looked this up just before I went on the air, uh, it is illegal in all areas of use, possession, and purchase 
in Alabama, Arkansas, Indiana, Rhode Island, Vermont, and Wisconsin. Now, that being said, there are some other states that have some specific uh, stipulations. That is, maybe the exact location, the city or the county, something like that, or it could be an age requirement in a few other states, and that would be Illinois, New Hampshire, California, for example, it's legal throughout the state, but it's banned in San Diego, Uh, Florida, where in fact Dr. Eldridge is right now, Mississippi, Colorado, but in all other states, Kratom is legal to consume, purchase, and sell. So can you share with us anything that you know about what the holdup has been here? Why is this not better regulated and why isn't it illegal in every state? So there are uh, some debates in the literature and there is a strong advocacy effort from the Kratom using community. Uh, You can go online and look at the American Kratom Society website and see their arguments for the continued legalization of Kratom. They disagree with uh, Kratom's classification as an opioid and feel that it's a natural herbal supplement that can do uh, a great deal of good for those with opioid addictions and is beneficial in today's opioid uh, crisis. They also point to that it it seems to lack uh, some of the harmful effects associated with opioids, such as respiratory depression. Ah, uh huh. Which we know we would so see with those substances like morphine. I think that it's um, perceived benefits to alleviate opioid withdrawal um, from those who use it is uh, their motivation for their big um, lobbying efforts to block any regulation of Kratom. Yeah, this is kind of a tough ethical issue, isn't it? Um, I sort of look at it like any other legal substance, um, especially when it comes to medical providers. We need to provide education uh, to pregnant women, to parents, that there can be harmful uh, effects of Kratom just like there could be of other um, legal substances like tobacco or alcohol or increasingly marijuana. I totally agree with you uh, because I think that when people think that something is natural, that somehow they think that it will not have any side effects, adverse effects, toxic effects, whatever, and that that just <laughs> just isn't true. So, how how do you go about having a conversation with the client or maybe with one of your colleagues about this? Because I've got to believe that not everybody. Uh, is on one side of the fence or or the other. You must see people that are on both sides of that argument. How how do you uh, do patient teaching or how do you have a discussion with your colleagues in a way that maybe some of the rest of us could profit from? Well, I I think whatever whether kratom should be regulated um, is I don't have the expertise to say. 
that there may be potential therapeutic benefit for those who have opioid addictions. But my job as a neonatologist is to take care of babies and to provide education to pregnant women and mothers of newborns. And I emphasize to my colleagues and to patients that it's my duty to educate them about um, potential side effects of kratom, just as I would talk about those other legal substances that I mentioned, such as tobacco or alcohol or marijuana. And my uh, goal is to get information out there because many uh, of my colleagues are not aware of this substance. I think you're absolutely right about that. Absolutely. So that brings me to something I'm curious about because I am not well read on this topic, but I've read just enough that it seems to me like the Kratom is both similar to and different from opium. So can you illuminate for us how are they similar and how are they different in terms of the adverse effects? So there's some nuances and the pharmacology and receptor activity of the two um, substances, metragenin and hydroxymetragenin in kratom that elicit opioid-like effects. So those substances interact with um, a receptor called the mu opioid receptor, which is responsible for inducing a lot of the effects we attribute to opioids, like pain control, um, sedation. Um, So the substances in Kratom interact with that receptor, but they seem to interact in a slightly different way where they can induce uh, um, sedation and alleviate pain without bringing on some of the harmful effects of opioids like morphine that we think of, such as respiratory depression and uh, some of the GI effects like constipation. Yeah, definitely. I guess I'm thinking, too, that as I understand it, in lower doses, the adverse effects are different than they are at higher doses. Am I am I right? And can you talk a little bit more about that? Um, <clears throat> I don't think that... We know enough about kratom to um, generalize definitively at, at what okay. dose uh, different effects would occur. I do know that um, harmful effects associated with kratom toxicity include uh, um, a lot of cardiac effects, such as palpitation, high blood pressure, fast heart rate. Uh, it's been linked to seizures, altered mental status, and some. Um, reports of liver toxicity and kidney toxicity. Okay. Uh, Yeah, it's kind of scary for sure. I have not seen anything, and I have not looked into this extensively, but I have not seen any information about how it affects the breastfed baby or uh, if it, the the dosage that would be in the milk, that is the amount that would would get into the mother's milk. Are you aware of anything on that? Because I am not aware. There's really not much. There are two, only two case reports, um, one from Canada of a woman 
who was using Kratom during pregnancy and breastfed her child after birth. Her infant did go into withdrawal from Kratom and providing her breast milk seemed to alleviate some of the infant's symptoms, which would hint that there is transmission through the breast milk. Um, There's also another report uh, published more recently about uh, a newborn's kratom exposure via breast milk, but there are no formal studies about breast milk transition or doses um, that would facilitate crossing into the breast milk. So they were just case studies then, right? Yeah, that's all there pretty much is with Kratom. Right, right. There's no randomized control trials, um, No, not uh, a lot of formal studies. We're a long way from that, I'm sure. Um, I do mm-hmm. want to go back to that study, though. I've got one in my hand by Dr. Lindsay McKay, but I will admit I did not read that one uh, word for word, but it seemed to me that that was about pregnancy, not breastfeeding. Um, I'm just kind of rifling through. I believe through. that's the... The one from Canada? The one from the, the one I've got in my hand is Lindsay McKay, and she is from Canada. It was published in the Canadian Family Physician. Uh, yes, and that one, that one goes into a little bit more um, detail about the infant. Um, yeah. The majority of the case report is about the pregnant woman, but it also goes into the uh, um, effects of the infant and mentions breastfeeding. Okay. I apparently did not get that far. And by the way, we do have a lot of listeners who are in Canada, and I would just like to point out that uh, that uh, paper starts out by saying that the opioid crisis is growing across Canada. So while Dr. Eldridge is from the United States and is talking from a United States perspective, uh, clearly this is not just an American thing. Uh, It certainly is... uh, something that our friends to the north are experiencing as well. Um, I read with a lot of interest your case study, which was published in Pediatrics. Congratulations, by the way. And Thank you. Uh, <laughs> I, I know that getting a paper published is a real labor of love. It just really is. Um, so... I guess as I read that, I was thinking to myself that when any of us are in the thick of a clinical case, um, sometimes it's a little bit difficult to see what's going on when we're actually managing the case. And then when we get to the end, it's kind of like solving this mystery, you know, that then it's like, oh, wow, now that figures. So as you were managing that case, Dr. Eldridge, was there anything that especially tipped you off or something that especially surprised or puzzled you? How how was it when you kind of realized uh, how serious this issue was? Uh, I can't speak to the specifics of the patient in that case, but I will tell you that before that case, I had never heard of Kratom. And ah, after... Okay. Um, after that case, I had to do extensive reading to educate myself. Yeah. Yeah. And, you know, that's why case studies are so valuable. I know that um, I teach a, a few live courses in lactation management, and I know that there are people that are sitting in the seats saying, oh, but we don't have a um, randomized control trial on whatever. It's like, yeah, well, guess what? There's that's that's lovely, but in the meanwhile, case studies very often are the first level 
of evidence that we have, and it's absolutely uh, better than nothing. As I recall, though, in that situation, the uh, the withdrawal for the mother was very, I don't know if the word would be slow, gradual, I guess. It, uh, would that be the right well, word? Um, well, I, I, didn't, I didn't care for the mother, so I can't comment on her um, specifics oh. of the case. Oh, sorry. I might have been confusing you with some somebody else here. Um, yeah. Anything then about the baby that would be especially interesting for us, not from the individual standpoint, but from a, a standpoint of what what kinds of things, if you had it to do over again, um, really stood out in your mind? Anything there? My take home. Um, <clears throat> And what I've applied to my general practice is I ask about Kratom now. Ah, uh, as okay. I mentioned before, it doesn't show ah. up in standard drug screens. It's not going to show up in a urine drug test or cord blood testing. You have to specifically ask about it. There are some labs that will test urine for Kratom, but it requires uh, special techniques and can take two weeks to get back. So now I ask every mother who has a history of opioid use about specifically Kratom, Kratom tea, Kratom capsules. Well, I think that's a huge take-home message. And also, I am assuming that as with any of these natural products, I would presume that there is no, I don't know what the word is, I don't know if regulation is the right word, but in other words, when the person buys this over-the-counter, they don't know how much of a dose that they're getting, even though uh, it might be cut with something else. It might be more pure, less pure. Is that the case as, for for this as well? You're correct. From what I've read, um, as you mentioned, it's not regulated. And so there are no quality checks on the product that a person would be buying. It could be adulterated. Um, and there have been some cases of Kratom adulterated with uh, potentially lethal substances and also a recent salmonella outbreak linked to Kratom products. Yes. Yes. And I was, uh, I was really surprised because that was not inconsequential. I think it was like in 20 different States. Um, I can't remember now, but I was thinking that is substantial in and of itself. Hey, everybody, do not go away. I'm here today with Dr. Whitney Eldridge. We are going to go to break. So hold on. We will be right back after this short break. Become our friend on Facebook. Post your thoughts about our shows and network on our timeline. Visit Facebook.com forward slash Voice America. Do you need breastfeeding training for your hospital staff? Maybe you need to offer all 15 sessions to meet the baby-friendly requirements. Or perhaps you need just a few sessions. Check out Marie's new course, Best Practices for Breastfeeding Management. It's perfect for improving your exclusive breastfeeding rates and helping staff earn contact hours. You know Marie will focus on the clinical outcomes, not just the training process. Marie's course offers the ultimate in flexibility and convenience. It's online 24-7 so staff can study at their own pace. You can use the course for all of your staff or just your newly hired staff. And Marie offers a tracking report. 
so you can tell who has started or finished. Best of all, staff can print out their own certificate when they finish. Don't waste another minute trying to develop your own course. Trust America's leading breastfeeding educator to provide staff training that works. Call Marie today at 703-787-9894. 703-787-9894. And ask for your bulk discount. Relationship issues? Anxious? Parenting challenges? No more. Learn how to live your best life. Tune into Straight Talk with top psychotherapist, relationship, and anxiety expert, Sandra Reich. In this program, you'll learn how to transform your challenges into effective solutions, whether it's relationships, parenting, anxiety issues, or other life traps that you struggle with. Sandra will show you how to change them and how to live the life of your dreams. Listen every Thursday afternoon at 6 p.m. Eastern Time and 3 p.m. Pacific Time on the Voice America Health and Wellness Channel. What's the weirdest place I've ever done it? Probably at my niece's high school musical during intermission. I've done it on an airplane. In our minivan while his mother was driving. Hi, Mom. What's the weirdest place I've ever pumped? Probably the car dealership. In the bathroom at my sister's wedding. Finding a good place to pump can be hard. Donating breast milk is easy. No matter where you've pumped, you'd make a good donor to the Mother's Milk Bank at Austin. Learn how your milk can save lives at milkbank.org slash donor. Have you friended us on Facebook yet? Why not? Just go to Facebook.com forward slash Voice America or search for the keywords Voice America. Once you are part of our Facebook network, you'll receive daily messages about what's happening with our shows, this week's featured guests, and new happenings at the Voice America Talk Radio Network. And you can add your voice to the always active discussions on our timeline. Just go to Facebook.com forward slash Voice America or search for Voice America. You're listening to Born to be Breastfed. To reach Marie Biancuso or her guest on today's program, please call 1-866-472-5792. That's 1-866-472-5792. You may also send an email to radio at borntobebreastfed.com. Now, back to the show. Hi, everyone. Welcome back. I'm here today with Dr. Whitney Eldridge. She is a neonatologist. We have been talking about uh, Kratom. And I would just like to try to recap all of her very good information here. And I think that part of that it, uh, why this show is so important is that for many of us, uh, we don't really know much about this. Resources are hard to locate, and if you have not gotten your hands on it, just a minute here, I need to shuffle a couple of papers. Um, I found this in pediatrics, which I subscribe to, but if you are in a university-based medical center, I'm sure that your medical library has it, and it is called Neonatal Abstinence Syndrome Due to Maternal Kratom Use. And it was published, um, not having my glasses on here, it's uh, volume 122, number 6, December of 2018. And it is Dr. Whitney B. Eldridge, Sherry Foster, and Lance Wim- uh, Weibel, excuse me, Dr. Weibel, for messing up your name. Um, 
Was there anything else that you wanted to tell us uh, specific to the neonatal abstinence syndrome? Um, I I know that you talked in the article about the Finnegan score and so forth. Anything there that you wanted to add that might be helpful for any of us? Um, I think for for um, those of us that are in the medical field, uh, nurses, doctors, um, patient care techs, uh, lactation consultants, that if a baby is acting like they're withdrawing from opioids, but all the drug screens are negative, go back and talk to mom and ask her specifically about Kratom. And that's the time to think about Kratom. I yeah. think that it is uh, likely more prevalent than we know and under-recognized. As I heard you talking just now, it dawned on me that sometimes I have been hesitant to say something because I'm thinking, well, no, she said no, and there's no uh, lab test that proves it. And, you know, it's really easy to just kind of back off and say, okay, well, mm, no, nothing here. And I think what we have seen from your experience is, yeah, there really might be something there. And what you're suggesting is follow it through. Uh, that there may yeah, be. Yeah, I think oh. that um, I think that you know th- these moms aren't intentionally doing something that would hurt their child. They don't know, and so sure. um, I think that uh, for them, it would be. Um, easy to look online or go to a tobacco shop and see a, a product that can help with your opioid withdrawal and it's natural and herbal and safe and they may be um, uh, uh, kind of think that it um, that there are no potential harms to their newborn and so I just want to educate that there may be and that we need to start talking about that and that these moms need to be given information so that they can make uh, an informed decision. Absolutely. Well, and as you and I both know, sometimes we read stuff and we say, oh, well, I guess that ought to be okay. And it's sometimes really easy to not realize that there's there's a deeper uh uh piece of information that maybe we just haven't grasped. Uh as we're Wrapping up today, what are th- three take-home points that you might want to make if someone did not hear all that we talked about today or just three things that you think are really, really critical for our understanding of this? Um, one, I think, uh, to the prospective parents and future mothers out there that uh, – if they are thinking about using Kratom, that uh, they should be aware that there are potential um, harmful effects for their newborn and um, that they should ask their uh, doctor or nurse about Kratom use and pregnancy, and they should be open and revealing that information. And um, finally, that medical providers should be asking pregnant women uh, and breastfeeding mothers about Kratom use. I think that uh, we need to emphasize that we're all a team. We're trying to take care of the babies and do what's right for the babies. We're right. not coming from a place of judgment. Right. And that the more we share and are open, the better care we can provide. 
Yes, and I would really like to underline that because so often it 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 people are afraid. I've had many mothers tell me, "Oh, I I know you will disapprove, but." And then they tell me whatever it is that they were going to tell me. It's like sometimes, actually, sometimes there's nothing to disapprove of, but people are very fearful uh, that somehow there will be a judgment. And then for all of us, that means that we've got to be careful that we actually don't come across as judgmental and certainly uh, need to keep in mind your other points about how just because it's all natural doesn't mean that uh, there aren't some untoward effects that we would not want to have happen. Uh, Thank you so much. Thank you to Dr. Whitney Eldridge. This has been hugely informative. All of us have much to learn. I would really encourage you to read the article that she and her colleagues have published. It is well worth it fairly short. It's only, um, I don't know, a page, two pages, maybe a little bit more. Uh, But it's very informative. And I would encourage all of you to take a look at that. Thank you, Dr. Eldridge, for being with us today. You've been hugely helpful. Thank you so much for your time. Thank you. It's my pleasure. Alrighty. And for those of you who are wondering, yes, there will be something on a different topic next week. And for those of you who are wondering about something else, yes, I will be having both uh, online courses and live courses that will be available throughout the summer. And the live courses are going to happen in the fall. So if you have ever given any thought to becoming an IBCLC, uh, yes, you will need your 90 hours of lactation-focused education. Please join me. I would be only too happy to meet you and... uh, Hope that I can help you to uh, learn what you need to do, learn, do what you need to do, and uh, send you on your way to uh, increased knowledge and um, helpfulness to other mothers. Thank you to all of you who are listening. Without you, we wouldn't have a show. So thank you. And try to remember, your baby was born to be breastfed. Have a great week. Thank you for tuning in this week to Born to be Breastfed. Please join Marie Biancuso next Monday at 3 p.m. Pacific Time, 6 p.m. Eastern Time on the Voice America Health and Wellness Channel. This week, do its best for you and your baby.